Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I have a lot to talk about in this particular episode regarding the Lions post-week 15 going into week 16 of the 2023 NFL season. Really hope you guys have enjoyed all the coverage via NFL coverage, which is you know what I'm referring to, from our podcast, from our YouTube channel, to all of our social media platforms at T-Time Reports. Make sure you check out the website as well, T-TimeReports.com, to learn a little bit more about the show. And there's also the links to all of the social media accounts on there if you guys want to you know tap in. Um, but getting into the Detroit Lions, it's been a very, very interesting start to the month of December. A rough finish to November for sure. Uh, The Lions have come off of a couple rocky games, um, and you know, especially losing to the Bears in that fashion. It just all out, you know, just looked. We looked disgruntled on both sides of the ball for the past three weeks. It really all started with the Chargers game in LA, which we did win to that game running uh, the Jared Goff to the to uh, Brock Wright for the game-winning touchdown. Excuse me for my uh, stuttering. It is 3 a.m. <laughs> but um, it was a very, you know, rocky game because the defense, you know, after that win, went on to struggle, but we, we kept winning games because of our offense, and then our offense started to stutter with our, you know, the combination of the defense struggling really was not a good combo. And then, you know, we lost to the Packers, lost to the Bears, barely beat the Bears in our first meeting. It was just a rocky couple of weeks. And every elite team in the league this year, or every team that's been deemed elite, has gone through these rocky uh, rocky patches. Uh, The 49ers on that three-game stretch. The Jags losing three in a row. The Chiefs don't look like themselves. The Eagles losing three in a row now. Um, there's, There's a lot of instances where that will happen. You have to get back to the drawing board. You have to get back, you know, on your practice field and draw up something new. Get to your guys coaching, uh, basic stuff to to a lot of these NFL, you know, organizations. Unless you're the Jets or, you know, the Raiders. But the Raiders had one hell of a week, uh, 15, 62 points, I believe it was. Which again, stay tuned for the recaps. Uh, all the games, as well as our power rankings and predictions on the YouTube channel, which we will have that up actually after the first uh, Week 16 game on Thursday night, so we do apologize for that. We're getting set up with Zoom and um, getting used to that whole process, so it is going to be a little delayed this week, so we hope you guys still tune in and enjoy that. But getting into my notes on the Lions um, post-Week 15 going into Week 16, in our matchup against the Denver Broncos, we genuinely looked completely full sound. Our defense let up on big plays here and there to Cortland Sutton, and uh, Jerry Judy had a couple nice catches, and um, uh, gosh, what's his name? I, I don't want to you know, butcher his name, but uh, Humphrey, he had a couple really nice catches. Um, but at the end of the day, like, our D-line showed up, we created pressure, we caused and created chaos in the pocket for Russell Wilson, um, but it was just our tackling that, <clears throat> it really concerned me. We were letting up big plays on shallow and crossing routes that were at the line of scrimmage, <clears throat> and it really genuinely just showed that we really got to get back to the board on that, 
our our deep our defensive backs really need to I don't know. Maybe it's just the coverage we're running, but like we just don't seem to be there on time. And when we are there, like we don't get me wrong, Brian Branch making plays, Jack Campbell, Alex Anzalone, he's still making those plays. But on those one-off chances, it's third and two, and there's a four-yard crosser, and it, it gets made and turned into a 15-yarder. And I just don't want to. I want to see those plays eliminated um, because we will not be able to compete with elite offenses in the playoffs if our defense can't you know, do the simple things. But we did show up on all phases against the Broncos. I won't lie. It was at Ford Field. We needed that win. Uh, we improved to 10-4 and four after dropping 42 on them. Jared Goff had five touchdown passes, three of them to Sam Laporta, one to Jameer Gibbs, and one to Amon Ross St. Brown. Jameer Gibbs also had one on the ground in this game. David Montgomery had a nice game. Our offense just looked great. Um, it, it looked surgical. It looked like it was too easy. Uh, and this was a Denver Bronco team that was coming in, winning four of their last five games. It was a red-hot team looking to, you know, get into the playoffs, get a get a proper seeding. If they won this game, I think they would have actually they would have been in the fifth seed. So they lost and really fumbled the bag. Um, and it was genuinely, I mean, the story of the game was Sean Payton yelling at Russell Wilson. I understand that, but at the end of the day, I think it was just the fact that the Lions rebounded at the perfect time. We need to go into Minnesota next week with you know Nick Mullins starting a quarterback, and we need to legitimately get off on a very good start on defense, create turnovers, create pressures, and let our offense get good field positioning and just be surgical. Let us use Jameer Gibbs, and this is when I kind of want to see him start to tone down a little bit. I get that you want to heat him up, but I just just for the sake of let's save some gas in a lot of these playmakers' tanks, we got to save in my opinion, some juice off of uh, especially the running backs. Let David Montgomery and um, Josh Reynolds, excuse me, not Josh Reynolds, Craig Reynolds, um, take some of the load a little bit, and let's let Jameer Gibbs go insane in playoff time. Um, And it was good to see Jamison Williams actually get uh, seven targets, four catches, both career highs in a game for him um, against the Broncos, which is not a slouchy defense. Patrick Sertan, they have playmakers. And Sean Payton, he's a good defensive minded guy. And it was really interesting to see Dan Campbell actually secure the victory over his pro, uh, you know, kind of his teacher, his mentor, his former coach. Um, and, and it was a big thing for me to watch that because I think that that was telling for Dan Campbell's career. He is trending in the right direction. Um, and, and it's been a while since the Lions have had a 10 win season. And, you know, it's good to see them finally secure that, especially, you know, be that as it may over Sean, uh, Sean Payton. Um, and that's a pretty cool storyline, but getting into some numbers really quick, um, before I get into some more of my notes, um, going into week 16, Jared Goff has, uh, 3,727, um, passing yards and he had, he has 67.1% completion, uh, an average of 7.5 yards. Uh, 266.2 yards per game on average, a long of 48, 26 touchdown passes, 10 picks, sacked 27 times, excuse me, sacked 27 times, with a quarterback rating of 98.2, all games have been played, 335 completions, 499 attempts, Uh, he is the first Detroit Lions quarterback in Detroit Lions history to have uh, back-to-back 25 touchdown yards, uh, excuse me, 25 touchdown um, seasons, 
thrown in the air, uh, not rushing included. Um, you can actually look that up, but Matthew Stafford, oddly enough, never was able to do that. I don't know why that's a weird stat, but I just feel like Jared Goff is really coming into his own. He had a rocky you know, couple games there, but the whole team had a rocky couple games there. It's not always blamed on one player. I get the turnovers were definitely on him, but the O-line definitely was not playing to the best of his ability. This was the first game all year where I, I saw our offense play at 100%. And that's because our O-line was at 100%. Everyone was at their respective positions. Our fifth-round draft pick rookie, Sorsdell, was not in, who really has struggled when he was in. Um, And it was good to see everyone back to where they should be. Ragnall, Glasnow, all all those guys. Penny Sewell genuinely not having to worry about the guard being kind of lackluster and kind of letting his inside be exposed, in a sense. And, you know, the left side was always locked down. But now, you know, the fact that Sorosdale's not going to be in rotation, but maybe, you know, towards the end of the game to get guys rest and maybe in third down packages, but we have Dan Skipper for that. Um, I'm just excited to see this offense finally looking like it should. Uh, Dave Montgomery is our rushing yard leader with 855 rushing yards. Amon Ross St. Brown, 1,175 receiving yards. Alex Anzalone already has 108 tackles. Jerry Jacobs has three interceptions. I just want to let you guys know that in 10 games, Frank Ginda, in two seasons for the Michigan Panthers, had over 200 tackles. So, just for linebackers out there. Um, Jameer Gibbs on the season has 792 rushing yards, 10 uh, 10 big plays, 7 touchdowns. David Montgomery has 10 touchdowns and 3 big plays with a long of 75. Jameer Gibbs has a long of 36. David Montgomery is averaging 4.8 yards a clip. Jameer Gibbs is averaging... 5.7 5.7 yards a clip. Uh, Craig Reynolds, he has the one touchdown, um, 179, excuse me, 179 yards, and a long of 19. Um, Receiving-wise, under St. Brown, Sam Laporta has uh, 758 yards on 71 catches, 98 targets, 10.7 yards per catch on average, nine touchdowns with a long of 48, seven big plays, uh, averaging over 50 yards a game. Um, Josh Reynolds is third in line. Wow, 535 receiving yards, five touchdowns with a long of 33, 17 big plays. Holy shit. Um, Khalif Raymond in fourth there, 399, 399 receiving yards, one touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, uh, 296 receiving yards, one touchdown with a long of 24 with two big plays. Um, Jamison Williams gaining some numbers here. Um, 17 catches, 33 targets, 242 yards, 14.2 average per catch, two touchdowns with a long of 45, four big plays. Uh, he's getting up there. He has 130 yards in yak, so that's that's solid. Um, defensively wise, Jack Campbell, 42 solo tackles. Alex Anzalone has 70 solo tackles. Derek Barnes has 35 solo tackles. Brian Branch has 41. He's just been a dog. He has seven TFLs. He has two picks. Jeez, uh, he, he has two. He has one touchdown. Uh, the pick six on Patrick Mahomes in opening week, which no one's ever going to forget. Not me. Tracy Walker, forty-two solo tackles. Uh, I, I just shout out to Tracy Walker. He's been really stepping up. I'm glad that he's finally being kind of installed in the starting lineup, and he deserves to be because our secondary needs a veteran and a smart player like that. Uh, and I've always just really enjoyed his leadership skills on the field. 
Um, Jerry Jacobs, who is going to be injured going into this Week 16 matchup versus the Minnesota Vikings, um, has had a really decent season. 49 tackles, um, 55 total tackles, uh, 3 picks, 2 TFLs. Um, Like I said, Jack Campbell has, I didn't go into his stats too in-depth, but 4 TFLs, 1 pass deflection. Um, Brian Branch has 8 pass deflections. Kirby Joseph, 8 pass deflections with 1 TFL as well, and 2 picks. Shout out to, dude, Kirby Joseph and Brian Branch with Tracy Walker. Disgusting. Jack and Alex up there in linebacker. I like that, bro. Um, Shout out to Aiden Hutchinson just being a dog. 27 um, solo tackles, 42 total tackles, 6.5 sacks, um, 7 TFLs, 6 pass deflections, 1 pick, uh, 2 forced fumbles, 2 fumble recoveries. He's just been all over the place. Malcolm Rodriguez, I wanted to shout out him as well. Playing in, filling in at linebacker, 16 total tackles. Um, He has a sack. He has... um, Two TFLs. I mean, he's and he's been playing fullback too, and a little bit of a tight end uh, kind of convert as well. So, him taking the back seat because the linebacking room got so much better in the off season, and actually finding other ways to get on the field just shows like what a player he is, an unselfish player, but also a very talented player that needs to be on the field, and it shows because Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes wouldn't have put him on the field and wouldn't have drafted him if they they knew the plan. They had to have known the plan. Like yo, they had draft. Um, you know, they had a lot of draft picks and they knew like, okay, we're probably going to grab a linebacker with one of these, you know what I'm saying? And then like, they knew Malcolm Rodriguez being a fourth or fifth round draft pick last year, having a really solid rookie season, being an overachiever, a really physical, smart, gritty guy. He's going to come in and just do it. If he even like when we need him as well, like he's a, he's a great depth guy and he's still being used in starting positions as an as a linebacker with Jalen Reeves Mammon when guys are injured, when we need to rotate guys out. Both those guys are really awesome. Jalen Reeves Mammon having like eight special teams tackles in like one game against the Bears a couple weeks ago. He he's a dog and I really want to see him on the field more on, at a linebacker. Uh, he's really elusive. Um going back to my notes here, um before I, you know, kind of talk about my predictions for the Minnesota game. Um, I wrote down Lions defense has stepped up. They stepped up against the Broncos. A high effort. Isaiah Bugs had a really nice fumble recovery. You know, ran the ball downfield a little bit. Uh, we're getting healthy. Uh, CD Deuce is coming back. Uh, we're, we're getting our O-line back to where it needs to be. Jared Goff getting back to what we saw him doing. Dicing up defenses, making smart throws. But Dan Campbell told him, hey, it's the final couple weeks of the season. Let it loose. Let it loose, man. Why not? You know, start airing the ball out. Start taking chances. Let's start testing some of these plays out. You know, put that tape out there and deceive type shit. Um, we're playing really good high IQ ball on on offense, at least this past week. And I think we can replicate that against the Vikings, who are going to struggle against us. They, they are. It's going to be a hard divisional game. But I think after what we just did at Ford Field, we can do that against the Vikings, especially with there's not going to be any weather inclement, like, you know, it's an, in a dome. It's going to be, you know, obviously the, the crowd is going to be insane. It's Minnesota. But, you know, I think we can take that W. Um, but this Minnesota game has a lot of playoff indications. We need to just win it, like flat out, no no question. Um, I don't want to drop any of these remaining games. Um, I, we do have a chance because if, if the 49ers 
lose or drop, you know, two games or one game, which they probably won't do. That's, you know, a really, you know, <laughs> that's a low probability. But if that happens, we could snag the first seed, and that's what I really want. That would be amazing. Um, but the run game, our run game is elite. I want to say this now. I don't know of a running back duo that is better than Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery in the NFL. I'm not talking about running backs. I'm talking about running back duo. The These guys work in tandem perfectly. David Montgomery is that gritty, all-purpose back. Jameer Gibbs is a rocket ship. He has the speed. He has the ability to catch and get yak. He's also incredibly hard to bring down, just like David Montgomery. But David Montgomery, you don't really want to use him in the pass game. You want to get the five, six yards out of him per clip. That's what David Montgomery's just outstanding. He'll break one free because he's a guy you don't want to tackle. He's a guy that you don't want to try and bring down because he's going to smash you. Pause and resume. I don't care. Like, that's a hard dude to bring down on a football field. Genuinely. Like, he runs with, like, a ferociousness to him. He's a very, like, angry runner, and I respect that, and that's just, that screams Detroit. It screams that division, honestly. But then you add in Jameer Gibbs, a guy that is insanely fast, but also, he'll bounce off tackles like nothing. And it's just so entertaining to watch, but it's also the talent that both those guys have. They work like a yin and yang. It's just perfect. Perfect. It's a perfect system. And we need to stick to that because that opens up the play-action pass, which has been always Jared Goff's strength. Play him into that so Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds can open up and create separation deep down the field. Get big chunk plays, then hand it off to Jameer Gibbs when guys have to drop outside the box to play the play-action. But then you just hand it to hand it to Jameer, it's just, it's over. Or David Montgomery, who's just going to hit the edge, five yards, six yards, a first down. Jameer Gibbs, possible touchdown every time the dude touch the ball, touches the ball. But in terms of David Montgomery, I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but he, you know, he does have limitations. He's, you know, he is quick as fuck. Like, I won't, like, for a, he reminds me of a more elite Doug Martin. If anyone out there in the Tampa Bay area, you know, remembers the old, uh, the old Bucks with Jamison, and even before that, the Glennon days. Uh, Doug Martin, you know, his nickname was Muscle Hamster. He he was a kind of a shorter dude, but he ran with anger, power, and just downhill style. And David Montgomery has that, but he also just has that reliability factor to him that he is utilized in the block, the pass protect. Obviously, all running backs are, but he is a good blocker. Him and Jared Goff are clearly have a good chemistry. I I just really think that this running back duo in combination with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery is truly elite and the best combination in the NFL at this current time. I, I really do. There's so many teams with great running backs. One. Maybe two. A good run. Oh, that's a great backup. Yeah, yeah. He comes in on third down. No, no, no. We got two running backs that could be starters on any team. Not Probably not any team, but Jameer Gibbs probably, but David Montgomery probably not. But I'm just saying, a team would start either of these guys, if they like didn't have a running back, if they didn't have a Christian McCaffrey or Saquon or a Derrick Henry, you know what I'm saying? Like that That's the best aspect about this because the play-action pass, the West Coast-style offense, big chunk plays, creative play-action, creative deep routes, screaming routes over the top, just a wide-open guy in the fucking center of the field because you're having J-Mo distract two guys because, bro, if you don't run 4-2, you better back up or have safety help. 
I mean, this offense is disgustingly deadly. And once it just starts to get in sync and click, like it did versus the Broncos, man, I I don't know if you want to play this team in the playoffs, especially if they're hitting on all cylinders. I also wrote down um, the rookie impact of this rookie class has been absolutely insane. I thought last year's rookie class for the Lions was really good, and it was in terms of late-round picks and just overall depth, and it added that youth injection to both sides of the ball. But Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, Brian Branch, these guys have been phenomenal. These guys have been instant day one impact starters, and there's not anything else you would want more. It's like they're playing Madden with this team. Brian Branch has been stellar. Jack Campbell has come into his own. He's a hard hitter. You know, he's missed some assignments, had his welcome to the NFL moments, but he's a good linebacker who's going to stay there for a long, long time. And then Sam Laporta, I mean, need I say less? He's an already elite tight end, possible top three, top four. And then you have the likes of um, (laughs) Jameer Gibbs, who's a rocket ship, as I've said. This man is insanely talented and gifted with his physical ability, but it's also more than that. He's smart with the ball. He hits the gaps. He has the vision. He's incredibly smart. And it's just a just a very talented running back that I see why Brad Holmes was so excited. I see Chris Johnson in Jameer Gibbs. I see Todd Gurley in Jameer Gibbs. Maybe different builds. Maybe different, you know, kind of style offense. But I gotta give him one thing. Just the all-purposeness about him when it comes to the offense, blocking, pass catch, uh, excuse me, pass, yak, blocking, and pass protect, as well as just overall ball carry and vision, and his speed, everything about Jameer Gibbs is elite. He is going to be, like Lewis Riddick said earlier, or like a day ago, an MVP one day, in my opinion. I really do believe that. He has got that ability. He's got that it factor. Moving on here, um, one thing I did notate is we need to maintain our O-line health. That's the one connector piece for this team that if it's not where it needs to be, if it's not 100% healthy, then we see issues with the play action. We see issues with the run game. We see issues with, okay, we're down by 10. Ben Johnson's going to start calling more play calls regarding pass, not run. Because if we have Soresdale in a guard, we're not really trusting that inside or inside zone scheme. We're going to be throwing, you know, short routes or play action pass, which, you know, that's when they get aggressive with the play calling and things sometimes get ugly. We saw it with the Bears, the 4th and 10. It's out of Riley Patterson's range, so they decide to go for it, picked off. We got to start utilizing our pieces more, and we have to start maintaining our O-line rotation and making sure that, you know what, if we pull away with leads in these final weeks, I want to make sure that our starting O-line guys get some rest. I know you want to keep them in rhythm, keep them going, keep them, you know, warmed up in a sense, but you also want to keep them healthy. And, And that's what, you know, concerns me the most. But I think that at this current time, based on the Denver Broncos game, I'm really hopeful I think if we go into Minnesota and do you know what we need to do and execute, um, I, I think we can win that game uh, probably like 31 to like 17. Um, you know, I know Justin Jefferson's going to play, but it's Nick Mullins at quarterback. 
you know, lob it up to Justin Jefferson all you want. He'll, he'll, he's put up 130 on us regularly, but they haven't won those games. They just, you know, you can't just force feed a guy. You know, if you don't have a full complementary game, you typically more often than not see that team struggle in the second half or struggle in the clutch moment. When things don't go that way, they don't have any other outlet or option. And with Nick Mullins at quarterback, I don't believe that if they're in that predicament and the game is closer than I think it will be, I don't think that Nick Mullins is the guy that's going to get him out of that jam. But, you know, it could happen. You saw Drew Locke do, did what he did to the Eagles, but hell, I, I think the Lions can go into Minnesota and they're going to have a good fan base of travels, but I think they can go into Minnesota and, you know, lay down the hammer. I think they can. Um... I guess, you know, obviously I chose the Lions in that matchup, but they do have a tough remaining schedule. After this game, they travel to Dallas, so two away games in a row. Uh, I, I'm, I'm scared about Dallas. We met Dallas two, no, a year ago and got blown out. It was like 6 to like 28. It was a very bad game. It could result in that again, but I'm going to say that it won't because of our rookie impact. You can't always rely on your rookies in big moments. We've learned that throughout the course of history in sports. But it's just one of those things where you have to have faith in the team that was built by Brad Holmes. You have to have faith in the owner, in Ms. Uh, Sheila Ford. You also have to have faith in Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson, and Aaron Glenn and the coaching staff that, and the teams that they picked out. I, I do. We've seen our rocky moments, but that's not the worst this team's been through in the past three years. They went off a 13-3-1 season to a 9-8 and season after starting 1-6 and in that season, and then now they're 10-4. and It's not the worst they've been through. It won't be the worst they've, they're going to go through, in a sense. But I just believe that this team is, you know, if they're able to replicate a similar win in Minnesota, I think that they can get in rhythm and go on a roll and hopefully beat Dallas, because if they can beat Dallas, then that's a big tell, and I'll say that right now. In the final week of the season, in the regular season for the Detroit Lions, they travel back home to Ford Field and battle the Minnesota Vikings again, two times in three weeks. I would like to get the season sweep on them. We have not swept an opponent this year like we did last year to the Packers. Uh, We're one and one with the Bears and the um, Packers this year. I think we can go 2-0 and against the Vikings. I really think we can. Um, if we don't, that'll make things interesting, but I really do believe that we are the better team. Kevin O'Connell is a good coach, made some questionable calls this year. They have a rough quarterback situation, and that's where everything really stems from in this sport currently, especially on field. So if Nick Mullins is starting against this defense, I'm going to have faith in Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn's play-calling ability to really showcase that we can dominate just like we dominated the Denver Broncos. Um, but everyone out there, make sure you tune into our social media accounts on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, threads, at Tea Time Reports. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Tea Time Reports, as well for our NFL Power Rankings recap. That is a weekly episode on there. We also post some of our podcast episodes. We also have a couple interviews on there. We have more to come out there. So definitely subscribe, like a couple of our videos, even comment interact with us a little more. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, 
And make sure you also visit the website, like I mentioned earlier, to learn a little bit more about the show, uh, why we do what we do. And, you know, if you've listened long enough, you know our motivations for sports. You know, if you love sports, you're probably listening to it. That's a common theme, but, you know, it, we listen to the first season. Go back and listen to that compared to now. It's probably completely different. But to all the day oneers out there, we appreciate you. To anyone out there listening abroad or across the world, Shout out to you. We appreciate you. And we're going to get more content on the YouTube. And we're going to continue to try and get some more content on the podcast. I have a, you know, some more guys getting on their own series. Um, the team is going to be expanding and growing. So more content will be you know, kind of centered around certain things. And um, we'll have dedicated workers on social media and you know, the podcast and then the YouTube. So we're trying to establish some logistical you know, structure here to uh, bring you know the right amount of content in the right amount of time on a consistent basis for everyone out there. This is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. Greatly appreciate all the support, and thank you so much for tuning in to my Detroit Lions coverage. Let's go Lions in Week 16. Uh, can't can't wait enough for the playoffs. If it's a Rams you know matchup with the Lions in the wild card, whoo! I am excited incredibly excited. But everyone out there, make sure you stay safe and take care. Peace.